bow, uh, bow before God again in prayer with another prayer as we prepare again to hear God's word. Holy God, we ask that you might stir to peace and quiet any voices or feelings that do not come from you, that we might hear in your scriptures the word that you would have for us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Our second scripture reading continues our story of liberation from the land of Egypt in the book of Exodus in the 19th chapter. Hear now the word of God. On the third new moon, after the Israelites had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day, they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They had journeyed from Rephidim, entered the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. So Moses came, summoned the elders of the people, and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. The people all answered as one, Everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud in order that the people may hear when I speak to you and so trust you ever after. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our journey has come quite a long way. It started with the people living in the land of Egypt under the unjust rule of Pharaoh, working and working with no end to their toil, and they cry out. They don't cry out to God, they just cry out. But God hears, and God comes close to them, using Moses as his leader and guide. Through the course of hard conversations with Pharaoh, signs and wonders and plagues, and then a long journey through the wilderness, they finally come now to the mountain of God, to Mount Sinai. This destination for their journey was why they left in the first place. This story reminds us that all of the force of Moses saying, let my people go to Pharaoh, that the story of freedom and liberation isn't just to be free from Pharaoh, to be free from a certain way of life, but also free for something. 
God's work of liberation isn't simply to pluck people out of difficult situations. To take people out of the places of toil and suffering. God's work of liberating is also for something. God has purposes for each of us. And yes, God brings liberation, but that isn't to leave us aimlessly wandering through life, trying to figure out what's next. God liberates us and gives us purpose. This purpose is as big as God's vision is for all of creation. But... Like the people of Israel, we just live out our part of that big story. We've been following the journey of Exodus, the story of liberation from Egypt, listening for where this story, that is thousands of years old, passed from one generation to the next, how this ancient story helps each of us make sense of the stories of our own lives. So today, as we see the people of Israel come to Sinai and seal the deal with a covenant, we are reminded about those moments in our lives where we have faced similar decisions where we have been freed from something and are invited to step into something new. What new purpose God gives each and every one of us. This has been a long journey. It hasn't been easy coming to get to know this God that the people didn't even really know when this journey began. Yes, there were these promises given to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in past generations, but a lot of time has passed from that moment. And the people really didn't know how to follow God in this journey. So God shows up, freeing the people from Pharaoh's rule through signs and wonders. Bending the rules of nature to show that the might of God is greater than any human institution could ever claim. Pharaoh might have armies and chariots, but God controls the very power of the seas. And when God seeks to liberate someone, there is no human force that could ever stand in God's way. The people of God follow this journey. Pharaoh's heart is hardened against them, and all the same, he can do nothing to keep God from taking God's people out from their places of oppression, of endless striving, and meaningless toil. And they start their journey. And through moments of great deliverance and also just the humdrum everyday life of making a long journey on foot, day by day, they come here to this mountain, Sinai, 
the mountain of God, the place where God's presence dwells most deeply. It takes three months to get there. And every step along the way is designed to free up for them the ability to make this decision. How are they going to live now that they are getting Pharaoh out of their system? And so Moses goes before God and God tells Moses these words. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. In case the people have forgotten, God reminds them who God is. A God who brings deliverance. But now comes the question of what comes next. It's one thing to get free. It's another thing to stay free. And God has a different vision of freedom than we might have in our modern day and age. We might think of freedom as something where we get to basically decide whatever we want whenever we feel like it. Right? I'm free to sleep in today. I'm free to eat Whatever it is that I want, and maybe I'll have some consequences, but it's my choice. Here at Sinai, God gives the people a fuller sense of what freedom truly means. Because freedom without purpose doesn't really get you very far. After a while, the freedom that you think you have starts to wear out. And we realize that the freedom of having a sense of why we're placed on this earth, of having a deeper purpose, equips and enables each of us to live in the way that our Creator intends. For the people of Israel, this Freedom takes shape in the relationship with their creator and liberator, God. And there's a deal that God offers. If you stay in relationship with me, I will stay in relationship with you. The fancy word for that is covenant. Covenant. It's not the kind of word you hear about these days. We do a number of weddings here at Fort Street. And I always laugh when we're doing the vows, and many couples want to just follow the vows that we have as a church. And we use that word covenant for marriage. And it's fun to see sometimes as a pastor how often folks stumble as they're practicing that word covenant. Because it's not the common word. We might say contract or relationship or a deal that we strike. A covenant is something deeper. A covenant can't be changed or shaken. A covenant has a lasting character to it that goes beyond when the terms of any contract come to an end. 
covenants can be violated, but they can't be violated without affecting the other party. God, in creating this covenant, is establishing a perpetual relationship. One that persists through the thick and thin of life. And it's the word that we now take as a church for the relationship that we have with God. Something that lasts. Something that can't ever be superseded by some new agreement. This is the deepest reality for the people of Israel of what it is to be a people. A covenant people. So God says, if you keep my covenant, covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, says God, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. In these words, we hear God's vision for all things, right? The whole earth is God's. God's already proved that by beating Pharaoh, by bringing liberation for the oppressed in Egyptian society, and showing that there is no rule on earth that could ever overpower what God is up to. The whole earth is God. But here's the peculiar thing. God chooses something very specific. Chooses a people, a particular people, to show the nature of God most clearly. For our modern ears, that seems strange. We're used to talking about inalienable rights for every human being, right? We think in terms of universals. We think, well, if it's true for this person, it should be true for that person. That's only fair, right? Well, God chooses a specific people to be a priestly nation. There's a specific group of people who are given the deepest character of who God is. And in living out their covenant, they are asked to, in their community life, reflect the character of God, most clearly by following the instructions that God would have them do. And as a priestly kingdom, you know what a priest does, right? A priest is the one who goes between God and other people. If there is some blessing that God wants to send, well, the priest is the one who gives it. If people ask for absolution, you go to the priest, and then God says, yes, through that priest, you're going to be okay. This is where God sets up this special priestly relationship. Through the people of Israel, God gives blessing, forgiveness, and justice for all the people of the earth. 
God chooses not to speak in universal edicts, but rather through the lived experience of a specific group of people. It seems odd for us when we can tweet in our day and age and word can go to all the ends of the earth to think about life in such particular and concrete ways. But that too is the nature of Jesus Christ, isn't it? Jesus comes to earth in the manger, in the form of a child, walks this earth and is in relationship. Affirming that it's not the abstract that Jesus is always worried about, but God comes to us in the thick of our lives with flesh on it. God comes to us through the particular events of our lives. One of the great mysteries of our faith is that a God for whom the whole earth belongs to God shows up in everyday life. This sermon is about how you find purpose in your life, right? Not just that you're free from things that might bring death, but that you're free to embrace a purpose that God has in store for you. That purpose is lived out with flesh on it. It's lived out in everyday life, trusting that the God who has all of the earth in God's hands, is up to big and important things. So you are free. Free to speak for justice where you find the opportunity in the moment. Free to create a relationship with someone different from you because you feel that stirring in your heart. Trusting that the God who holds everything in God's hands is taking care of the big stuff. Your purpose is to live faithfully with the people that are right around you. This is the blessing of a covenant, of having these sets of rules for the people of Israel that God will continue to share on Mount Sinai. They can practice faithfulness daily with how they treat one another, how they eat how they take care of their environment, how they are called to care for those who are on the outside of their society. God has made this covenant with them that God's purposes come out in everyday life. What comes next in the scripture lesson is maybe the trickiest thing for us to realize. Moses, after sharing this message, summons, summons the elders of the people together, and the people answer this invitation as one. They are a group of people making this commitment together. There's a popular book that came out about 15 years ago called The Purpose Driven Life. 
And its key message in the first few chapters is God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That's true. That's well and good. But this meeting on the mountain of Sinai reminds us that we really only live into our purpose that God has for us in a community. God might love you, certainly, and have a wonderful plan for your life. But it sticks when we are encouraging one another as the people of God to be faithful, to encourage one another, to join with one another when life gets hard. It's hard to hold on to purpose in this day. There are always pharaohs of one kind or another seeking to pull us into captivity. God has freed us to live into a new vision for how we live our lives. But we don't hold on to that by ourselves in isolation. It's how we, with one voice, say together the words that the elders say, everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. As a community of faith, that is to be our encouragement for one another. Even as it is in modern life, where we leave this church on Sunday morning and go out to our places where we live and work and relate to one another, it is how we commit to encourage one another to continue to say everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. That equips us for the journey ahead. This is where we leave the story of faith as we continue our journey through this year in 2019. In the next week, the season of Lent begins. The journey towards the cross then takes us over those 40 days to the moment where God's true identity is revealed most clearly. But this part of the journey reminds us that this Sinai moment is only one moment that then sustains the rest of the life of faith that the people of God have continued for generations. They don't do it by themselves. They do it together. Everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. May it be so. Amen.